Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Show me someone who is engaged in some kind of training process, and I will show you someone who needs to do something or be something that they don't want. What is the overlap between what they want and what they need? Because if you only give them what they need and you completely disregard what they want, you alienate the learner. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. How engaged were you in school? When you were taught a new principle in class and then given a homework assignment to do before the next class, were you engaged? What if instead you were assigned the homework first before learning the principle you needed to do it? What if you were asked to do something really difficult, something that challenges your ability to think critically and solve problems? You'd probably fail and you'd probably not enjoy it. And you would probably be a lot more engaged in the learning process. It might not be as easy as the way we're usually taught things. In fact, it might be downright hard. But there's a level of difficulty that is desirable if you want to develop and grow as a human being. So over the next four episodes, we'll be exploring this concept of desirable difficulty and why we're all likely being disserviced by the increasing convenience of society today. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Greetings, everybody. Thanks for being here and welcome. So normally we begin with digestions and questions, but I want to forego those or um, temporarily delay those because I want you to bring your questions and digestions if you have them, and I hope you do today, in the context of a prelude. And that prelude begins with a, a what-if scenario. So remember in school, especially in math, most of the way we're taught is we are taught a bunch of principles, right? Here's, this is how division works. This is the quadratic formula. This is uh, uh, how to calculate the angle of a triangle uh, when you have a one angle on a triangle, uh, when you know the length of some of its legs or something, all stuff like that, right? You're taught the principle. Shows you how well I was in math, how good I was in math. <laughs> Given enough time, I could recreate it. But we're taught the principle. Teacher goes through some examples. People ask questions. And then you get homework, right? Using what you've learned. That's how it is in math, certainly, definitely in science and some of the humanities, it's a little more subtle, but that's generally the case. They teach you the principles, they give you the tools, and then they say, now go apply it on your own, run into problems, bring your questions, and we'll work through it. And that's pretty much what happens in every class for you know, all of them for like 15 plus years. 
So imagine one math class is taught that way. And then another math class is taught exactly the same way, same teachers, same pace. But instead of the principles being taught first, the homework is given without the students having the tools to be able to successfully solve them. In other words, imagine being given, you know, a bunch of trigonometry, trigonometry questions where the questions are around figuring out, you know, using SOHCAHTOA, remember sine equals opposite over hypotenuse, cosine is opposite over adjacent. Imagine having to do those kinds of problems without knowing the formulas. How enjoyable would that be? You'd, you'd use what you already knew because you'd know something on the subject, like, you know, everything prior to that day in that quarter or semester. And so you'd try to figure it out and you'd maybe ask friends and you would just be twisting in the wind. And you probably, depending on the type of assignment, you probably wouldn't get, you know, if you were lucky, maybe you'd get 10 or 20% of the problems right if some of them were really, really easy and there were alternative means to figure it out, right? But you would fail at that homework. So imagine two classes side by side. One's the control group taught the quote normal way and another one taught this way. In which scenario do you think the students at the end of the year, end of the semester, perform better, learn more, become more competent in the subject matter? In other words, which not the question is not which is a more enjoyable form of learning, because that one's obvious, but which is in a more effective way of learning? And I'll give you a hint. This has scientifically been proven. Which would you think? It has to be the one that doesn't sound like the right one. Fifty-fifty, <laughs> right? And I set it up, um, right? So now the, that one—it's the one where you had to do it on your own and screw it up yourself first. Yes. Now, what explains that is the larger question. Because on one level, you could say, "Well, this is like torture, giving people." problems to deal with that they don't have the tools to solve. I mean, it's borderline inhumane. But it results in more effective learning, higher performance, higher scores, increased competence. What explains that? You've got to engage a different part of your brain to figure it out yourself versus the part of your brain where you're learning, listening to somebody else would be my guess. Couldn't have said it better myself. And so there's a lot of doors in here. There's a th- I think there's a list of, of reasons, and that's one of them. Let me add some words to what you're saying here. It elicits a different kind of engagement, right? Because the engagement we all went through in school is, here's the problem, here's the principle. You, when dealing with this kind of problem, you do this, right? And we may or may not tell you why that should matter to you. Usually not. Right. But then when you're given a set of problems and you don't have the tools to solve it, it elicits a hunger in you of, boy, I have some problems in front of me and I don't have the tools to solve them. That's a problem for me. I need those tools. I don't have them. And then when you show up in class the next week and the teacher says, so how was that problem set? Everybody's like, rah. That was really hard. I got this far with this equation, but then I ran into this roadblock and someone else says, yes, same with me. Oh, well, that's because you don't know the quadratic formula. The what? Well, let me show it to you. 
And now it occurs to them as a solution to their problem. It completely changes the dynamic of engagement. I was going to say it adds an element of ownership to it because they've invested the time to figure it out themselves. They own it. Then when you give them the quadratic formula, it's like, oh, this thing that I've now owned, that makes it easier. Thank you for that. Rather yeah. than like a begrudging to A, B plus C, right? Yeah, So exactly. Yeah. Really well said. It does it creates ownership because the the emotional part of what creates that ownership is they engage in some emotional turmoil in trying to solve the problem. And it created a personal problem for them. Way more personal than if they had the tool to do it, interestingly. And this is so in one way, it's a form of it's a setup, but it's it the result is you end up meeting people where they are. Yeah. Reminds me of a story. I don't know if anybody uh, anybody here has heard of Tom Brown Jr. Um mm. he uh the tracker. Um one of my favorite books. Uh, Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. I uh, read one of his books back in the 70s, 80s, rather. It reminds me of a story that he told about um, uh, he and his friend, I guess it was Rick, and uh, grandfather was trying to teach them how to make fire by friction. So he gave them green oak to work on for a week. <laughs> and I forget whether they actually made fire or not. They may have actually succeeded. But at the end, when they came back and showed showed him what they'd learned, the, the the lesson of the story was never use green oak. <laughs> <laughs> but they they um, they learned a lot in the process of trying to make fire with uh, with with wood that was not conducive to making fire. Yeah, that's uh, a that's a great book about learning in general because the the way the Native American grandfather teaches is often through exposing them to failure, just yeah, as he, much as yeah. the success. One of his uh, favorite sayings and answer to one of their questions was, go ask the, the voles, the mole-like little creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, it, and, that's an, and, and that's an Eastern-style teaching. Uh, and and I, I didn't really connect that before, but the, um, the Native American style is, is very much uh, confluent with a lot of the Eastern style. So the Western style of teaching is very much like, here's the principle, here's how you do it, now you go do it, armed with this knowledge. And the Eastern style is more like, um, go find a problem and take it to your wits end. And then when you can go no further, maybe I'll help you a little bit. And so to me, those are, that's yin and yang, you could say. And to me, a good teacher and a good self-manager, a good teacher to yourself uses both. But because we all grew up in the West, we're excessively conditioned to think in terms of the, I, but I don't know how. Nobody told me how. Right? One of my favorite excuses. As if in life, somebody tells you how to do something before you have to do it. Right? You have a kid. Nobody tells you how to you know, do all sorts of stuff. You may get someone to tell you how to change a diaper beforehand. But there are probably literally 100,000 things when you raise a kid that no one will tell you how to do until it's right before you. And that's why people grow up so much when you raise kids. Well, some of them do. <laughs> but it, it's not a sine qua non. It doesn't absolutely follow, unfortunately. If it did, the world would look very different. So in modern education theory, or maybe more like postmodern, cutting edge education, education theory, this is called desirable difficulty. 
And there's a book called Make It Stick that I'm a big fan of uh, that has to do with this principle and many others of, uh, that show what actually works in learning. And it's super significant because, well, as I've been talking about, it goes against most of the way we've been taught. Therefore, it goes away, it goes against most of the ways we will teach. And it goes against the ways we largely self-manage. In a day in, in, in this day and age where you as a manager or a business owner can be evaluated on, you know, Glassdoor, for example, the Yelp of uh, workplaces, and teachers now uh, are evaluated uh, in, you know, in similar pieces of software. The it's a really interesting conundrum. I often imagine a a, a two circle Venn diagram with uh, where there's an overlap because when you teach people, when you train people, when you're engaged in helping people to change in any way whatsoever, one of those circles is going to be giving them what they want. Because if you don't give someone anything related to what they want, they will turn around and walk away. What's the other circle? what they need. Because show me someone who is engaged in some kind of training process, and I will show you someone who needs to do something or be something that they don't want. And that's where you get into tricky territory. What is the overlap between what they want and what they need? Because if you only give them what they need and you completely disregard what they want, you alienate the learner, potentially, likely. If you only give them what they want and don't give them what they need, they may have a really enjoyable experience and not learn a damn thing. So this to me is part of the art of self-management is balancing that with yourself first and also with others. With a giant asterisk the size of a weather balloon, you've been conditioned to avoid the tough stuff that you really need. Because no one ever taught you, likely, no one ever taught you through the Eastern dynamic of go figure it out for yourself, go light a fire with green oak, and learn through that failure again and again and again and again. That is not a fun way to learn. But guess what? The science also shows that if you take that same math class comparison I was talking about talking about, and you test all the kids at the end, you will see numerically that the kids who were subjected to desirable difficulty will do better, right? But then if you ask the kids to rate the class, which class will get the higher ratings? The one where they learn less. This is also proven. So In other words, the conclusion is that human beings are not reliable evaluators for what their best style of learning is. They have no idea what's good for them. Well, maybe some idea, but not reliably. The vast majority of people, 85% or so, cannot, they don't know the difference between a tough experience that's good for them and and an enjoyable experience that enables them. They don't know the difference. Now, if you really understand what I'm saying right now, this should scare you. Because the fate of humanity is right here. 
Because a human being's ability to choose desirable difficulty for their own evolution, to do the right thing for themselves, for the people around them, for the environment, versus doing what's comfortable and easy in the moment and telling themselves it's fine, that polarity will either be the cause of the human species going on or its extinction. It's really that simple. Will we wait until every last drop of oil is burned before seriously looking at alternative energy? There's the question. But but the economy, but changing the infrastructure of transportation is hard, but I love my truck that gets 16 miles to the gallon. But, 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 yeah, all that's hard. But is it good hard or is it bad hard? That's the moment. Whatever the change is, whatever the dilemma, whatever the issue, most likely that's the question. Can you, in, in any given moment, choose the desirable difficulty without someone having to cram it down your throat? If you can do this with yourself even one-fifth of the time, you will grow immensely. Most people rarely, if ever, choose their own desirable difficulty. They wait for somebody, and sometimes that somebody is life itself, to cram it down their throat. Well, uh, your wife has divorced you again. This is the fourth one in a row, and she's taken all of your money. Okay. Who's the common denominator? Well, this is the fourth business you've started, and it's failed yet again because you weren't managing the money. Oh, maybe I should start looking at money. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.